Alternative Play. Welcome to Alternative Play, a podcast that explores both the worlds of kink and nerd culture. No matter what your flavor of fun is, we talk about it all. The podcast where nerd and geek culture meets leather and latex. So tighten your restraints, break out your comics, roll a d20 and get ready for some fun. Welcome to Alternative Play. I'm your host, JC. For those of you new to the show, Alternative Play is a podcast where we introduce you to those who dwell in the nerd and kink communities. We cover the gambit on alternative lifestyles and those who create content within all media. Alternative Play will cover topics that are quite adult in nature, so listener discretion is advised. Also, for those who have been following Alternative Play, we have a Patreon, which we'll include in our show notes. This will help us keep the show going and help back a number of kink-related projects, like our Not Safe for Work D&D livestream, Show Us Your Crits, which is now streaming on Plexstorm. Alternative Play is honored tonight to welcome one of the creative forces in the kink community, Brian Humphreys of Chaotic Kink. Brian has been dubbed a mad scientist of toy craft who is bringing new and artistic innovations into the BDSM community. So Brian, welcome to the show. Hello. And before we jump in to talk a little bit about your crafting and other aspects of your work, let's hear a little bit about you. I got into the scene about 10, 12 years ago. A couple I had met uh, introduced me to stuff, and I, I took a liking to it. Uh, but I, I wasn't really into the community end until actually like 2017. I mostly just did private play. And since then, I, I've loved the people I've met. I've found that they're my kind of people, and fellow uh, nerdy, kinky gamer types. You've told us a little bit about how long you've been in the scene. So you're in New York City or in one of the suburbs? I'm in Manhattan right now. Oh, um, wow. I'm, okay. I'm from Orange County, California. Oh, okay. So wow. I only, so then, moved, I only moved out here last year. Actually, I'm a native, San. well, I was a native San Franciscan. I've been living on the East Coast now for a little over 20 years, but... Uh, <laughs> California's I, I def- taking it over. <laughs> Yeah, I I completely miss California. Like this, the San Francisco scene was pretty amazing when I was growing up. So when you experienced the scene, was it in New York or back in Orange County? Back in Orange County. All right. So I'm just curious, what was the L.A. scene like, or at least that the O.C. scene? The L.A. scene is really where it's at. The O.C. scene is had struggles, but they're working on it. It. It's a difficult kind of community area to get into, you know, uh, sanctuaries established. So they have a large facility and uh, Orange County is still working on venues and stuff like that. Okay. But is it a pretty vibrant scene? Is it, well, people from all walks of life. (laughs) Gotcha. So um, what kind of made you start getting into your work, uh, designing toys and I guess trying to think of a, a proper way to put it probably not all toys but the gear that you you create what what kind of started you getting into that line so I've I've always made my own kit and then when I met my my current partner back towards the end of 
2018 or mid 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, she didn't have a job at the time, and she was making uh, wood resin jewelry. And we were hanging out one night, and we're like, "What if we made wood resin toy handles?" It kind of blew up from there. I have a I had a workshop in Fullerton. I was a I had you know lathe mill everything I need to make stuff. So we just cranked out stuff and uh, it, it kind of blew up from there as people were like, wow, this is crazy. And then I, a little while later, I had the interchangeable handle idea. And then that's been redesigned since into a toolless interchange. Yeah. I've seen a lot of your work. Actually, um, I caught uh, one of your work on uh, Instagram where mm-hmm. you, you end up posting a lot of things. And actually just recently I ended up buying a piece from you, which I'm, I, I'm completely loving by the way. Yes. Uh, just the, the round ball handle, especially cause I usually, when I, when I hold a flail, I put it between like the, um, the, the end that, well, the middle finger and the, I'm bad at what my fingers are, but basically the middle <laughs> finger, the one next to it. The two middle so, ones. <laughs> yeah. So I usually hold the, um, flogger when when i picked up the flogger i noticed a couple of things about that was really great is that one that ball handle allows it to spin so so much easier in my hand and also just the light weight of it is amazing um i was at a i was at an event uh back in february a fetish flea out in rhode island Mm -hmm. and i ended up buying this flogger this it's a beautiful flogger. Honestly, the thing weighs as much as a dog. I think it's just, it's heavy. Mm-hmm. So every time I spin that, like my wrist feels like it's going to break off. So it, it's great for impact play, but honestly, it's just, I need to like probably gain more muscle mass in my arm before I can even try to wield it. There's but, only um, so much you can use it because it's putting so much strain on you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's great when I'm going, um, when I'm going side to side or over the shoulder, but if I'm trying to just basically do any other sort of fancy play with it, like I could probably hold it for about a couple of minutes. You feel like, all right, I'm done yeah. or just grabbing it in another way. But when I saw that you had that wrap, that ball handle, that was just like going, Oh my God, I think I've, I found <laughs> the, uh, you know, the flogger for me. So no. And I, and I, and I got it. And like I said, I, uh, when I took it out, I was just sitting there in my garage, like, spinning around hoping my neighbors weren't like walking by and just kind of wondering what the hell I was doing <laughs> you know because well you know while we're all pretty much in our homes still you know people will walk outside and look we're actually I think the neighborhood has gotten nosier since uh the COVID-19 outbreak because now since no everyone's more. their home yeah everyone's completely interested in what their neighbors are doing so <laughs> that you know some sitting there just doing almost Bruce Lee kata with this, um, with this flogger and in, in the driveway, you know, the garage. So, but luckily I don't think anyone came by. My, my wife was just kind of sitting there looking at me amused as, uh, <laughs> as I was doing it. But so, so we talked a little bit about, you know, how you started your work and that. So is there something that, so how do you get your, uh, where does your creativity come from? Cause I seem like it again, your handles are probably not the only attractive feature, but one of the major attractive features of like the floggers that you sell is just because you have ones that clip on, you have like the ball one, like I bought, let our audience know, like if they want a, an interesting handle, what do you have? What do you do? I have, I definitely am a little OCD when it comes to things. So if it's not perfect, I'm really not happy. 
<laughs> so I do everything from your your common cheap materials. Uh, if you're doing like the the straight polymer, like like your handle, it's not very expensive compared to a higher end material. Um, mm -hmm. Common hardwoods you might find pretty easily your oaks, your birch, that kind of thing. Then we start ramping up from there. Uh, you want exotic hardwoods. It kind of depends on what I find at the right price. If you don't care about that, then I'll get it. But I, I try and work with a lot of salvage materials. So a lot of our like exotic wood handles or wood resin handles are from a junk pile at a wood shop because oh, wow. it has a crack in it or this or that. So I'll reinforce the material until it works properly, and then it's good to go. I'd say the tiers are your polymer, your common hardwoods, your uh, exotic hardwoods after that, and then like wood resin pieces. And then I do try and do quite a wide variety of handle styles as well, because I found everyone likes something different, and I'd rather just make a wide variety. <laughs> So here's my my geeky, probably my geeky and really silly question that I'm going to ask about this. But with my experience of using paddles or or floggers or you know any whips and and things like that, definitely there is a there's something nice about a lighter handle or a longer handle. Is there an actual science to creating these uh, oh, for yes. just okay? So you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, and that is actually, I, I keep meaning to maybe do like a whole like series and put it up on my website on just the science behind wh what kind of handle works for you, what you want it to weigh versus what you want it to cost. Heavy handles are good. I feel that balance is important, but it depends on how you wield it. Uh, if you're doing really fast Florentine maneuvers, you do not need weight at all. In fact, it's worse for you. You want just something airlight. That's just going to zip through the air. How the weight is distributed matters. So uh, for those, I like you know the the polymer caps or a wood resin caps, something like that, and um, you know, at least like twenty four falls of leather, uh, cut it a half inch, about the size of yours, I'd say is like a, a minimum of a nice light fast one. Mm -hmm. um, but the main effect you're going for with that stock, like a, a two handed Florentine style, is that you're doing really fast light strikes you're not beating someone down with yeah it. it's it's got to move and it's got to work well enough that it just doesn't uh, flop all over the place at the same time you're going to have more direct control with a straight handle uh, with the falls secured similar to the ball but the the falls are going to probably splay a little more but you have really good control on uh, how you strike, uh, whether it's it's a nice light strike, overhand, go fast, but they incur more wrist strength. So there's there's pros and cons to every handle style I make, and I've I go over them quite <laughs> quite at length. <laughs> so now the length of the falls, which uh, until we actually had our conversation on Instagram when I uh, when we talked about doing that custom piece. I had no idea what they even called. I was just like, oh, they're the, the leather strips. The So the length of the falls, does that have any impact on also? Because, for example, the one that I got from you is a, definitely the, the falls are shorter compared to, say, that one that I bought that weighs like 100 pounds. 
that uh, the falls are, I could probably wear that thing as like a, a Polynesian skirt <laughs> that, that they're so long and thick. So I, so again, with the handle, does that, the, do the falls have any impact to how it's used or, you know, if it's, if it's a slappy, if it's a stingy. Absolutely. The, the, uh, every little factor that, that matters does. Um, but I, I have found points where they kind of plateau. Um, and it doesn't matter. Uh, I like the 18 inch falls because you can use it in a dungeon. Um, yeah. 22 is fine as well. Uh, so the longer you get, the more forces behind the impact. Uh, okay. That, that's kind of the main part to think about. Uh, if they're cut at half inch, I feel it's kind of a standard, like mid range. If they're one inch wide, they're a little more slappy if that's okay. the desired effect. Um, but that will depend on leather texture. Uh, like a, a really soft deer skin kind of just glides over you or whops you while a, mm -hmm. a stiffer cow is going to slap a little more. Then you're a really thin cut, like under half inch, is definitely going to sting more. As far as like a shorter ones, like 12s, it kind uh -huh. of limits your maximum power because you can't put as much force behind it. So they're great for like light warm-ups. They're inexpensive because it's not much leather. Uh, what what a lot of people do is they go, oh, big expensive flogger is good flogger, but it's you want to use the tool that is appropriate to how you want to use it, how your body mechanics work, and the desired effect of each piece. For example, the flogger that I designed for me is really good quality. It's really it's really light and it really works well. Sophia McScandal, who was our last guest, as uh, she worked in like sex toy education and things like that. She worked in a in a store. We're talking about Amazon mm -hmm. and how over the past couple of years, Amazon has its own like sexual wellness section. You could buy BDSM gear from it. Oh yeah. So. When, you know, so I went and bought, um, I went and bought a flogger from Amazon, which uh -huh. I don't know, you know, I guess it's out in the open now. I think I mentioned <laughs> it last episode, but I was curious because this one actually looked really nice as, oh, it's suede. And I mean, it wasn't that expensive. It was maybe $30. So yes, yeah. I know. You know I, I'm there. not going to judge you. I've totally bought a $20 one on Amazon. There's still a major difference when even from the Amazon one, which, you know, claim to be like real suede and this and that. And the falls feel it feels like cheap suede. It feels like someone went to, you know, Joanne Fabrics and found a piece of suede and chopped <laughs> it up. I mean, that's kind of the, the quality of it, but it's light and I've used it a couple of times. It's not particularly the greatest. But so I'm sure that there's a lot of people who are new to the scene or new to just their kink side and they want to get toys and they, and they first go to Amazon. And I'm just, you know, in my opinion, I think that that would be kind of a turnoff. So and these are your first toys and you're going, oh, I just got these on Amazon. You're like, really, this is what it is. And sadly enough, if you go into an adult store these days, like I know up here in Connecticut, we have VIP and uh, something called love boutique, which is actually the town I live in. But, you know, you walk over to what they call their BDSM section, and it's it's kind of laughable. Like, everything is pretty much what you can get on Amazon. So Yeah, yeah. I After, like, maybe the first couple months we were doing things, I 
uh, my partner took me to a store and because I I never really bothered to go to local stores because they just you kind of glaze over it because just kind of generic yeah. Amazon stuff. And uh, I was at the time I was like, man, I just can't seem to make anything right. And like, how do I even price this stuff? And uh, we went there. I was like, oh wow, my my stuff's way better. I feel better about this. <laughs> my wife and I went. This is probably about two and a half years ago uh, to the place VIP. So I will have to say, and, you know, I'm not getting any kickback from VIP, but I am very pleased with them only for the fact is that when you walk in, they have multiple people working there and one of them will approach you, ask you if you need help, what you're looking for. They will actually take demo models out of things and you know show you you know put a battery in it and kind of show you the like vibration or speed or whatever they're really helpful in that way so when you leave you're kind of more educated about your purchase right compared to like another place i was talking about love boutique where they kind of point you in a direction and then overcharge you for it and then let you walk out the door so there is a difference but uh, i guess point i'm trying to get to is so i went over to their you know BDSM or bondage and discipline, whatever section they want to call it. And it was, yeah, it was complete garbage. It was these things that I couldn't restrain a cat. I mean, (laughs) they're just like, they're Velcro. The chain between looks like you could easily just like Hulk them and just boom, you know, break them in half. Yes. Yes. And yes, <laughs> that, that can happen from experience. <laughs> it's, but it's, it's kind of sad. I, I, I think I ended up buying a couple things there, but I, it wasn't much, but then, you know, you go to a, an, an event and now you're seeing stuff that pretty much you're going to restrain someone for a long time with the, like, you know, these restraints I bought basically belt over, then padlock on, and then have another <laughs> mechanism that goes around it. It's like, yeah, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to restrain you, I'm going to do it. You know, if I walk away, you're not going anywhere with these, <laughs> like this chain eight breaking. <laughs> with that said, do you feel that in, in basically the industry of creating these materials, is there a large amount of competition from the made in China, Amazon uh, things, or is it more or less kind of, yeah, that's really what the, the newbies do that stuff, but people in the know will actually buy um i i feel like those items have their purpose actually because hey look i've i've been there too it's like wow i just don't have anything for warm-up or whatever and this was before i started really getting it into the stuff that i i make now it's like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna i've got a scene coming up and this thing fell apart and i i've got two days i'm gonna amazon prime was cheap suede flogger just to throw something out there you know it's if you don't have the money don't put it into stuff you know like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna here sit here and advocate like go broke buying my cool fancy stuff (laughs) (laughs) that being said if like it can really turn someone off if they think a flogger is 12 strips of vinyl on like a half inch wide four inch handle that you flap people with like it's just, <laughs> it's just not the experience yeah. um and, and i think that's where the danger in it lies because they're not there's there's so much disinformation and lack of education and the experience is entirely subjective and between those three categories 
I think it can avert people to what impact toys can offer or impact and sensation toys can offer. It's really everyone's experience and how it shapes it. And it's good to have good things, but I would say try and find your local community and kind of get an idea of what's out there first. And actually that's going to what I was going to say, and that's probably the best advice that anyone can give going back to Amazon things. And one of my concerns when I was speaking to um, Sophia in the last episode was that you may have people who watched, I don't know, 50 shades of gray or just suddenly just said, just decided that they really, the couple decided they really want to try a DS relationship and they wanted to get into impact play. That's great. And honestly, it's it's a great way to explore. It's a great way to learn things about yourself. You sometimes learn more about yourself in that way than you would have just moving about your normal life. However, some of those toys can get really dangerous in the hands of someone who doesn't know how to use them. Absolutely. Seeking out your community, meeting others, you know, suck it up, go to a munch. I mean, honestly, most munches aren't people walking around in like leather daddy gear, right? They're just <laughs> no, normal no, people. Cool. Yeah, having These a drink. Folks, <laughs> I cannot find where the munch is because everyone looks normal. <laughs> it, exactly. Um, I didn't even know New Haven here in Connecticut had like a munch that had been going for a while. In fact, um, a couple of friends of mine and uh, we had decided that we were going to go and venture ourselves to try to pull some locals in Southwest Connecticut. And lo and behold, we found that there was one, but, you know, it doesn't hurt to have two, um, you know, build, build another community. It's New Haven's a big place. I doubt it's going to be like gang warfare or anything. We'll be doing drive-bys with ball gags or something, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you never know. It's, it can get probably, what you call it? I was trying to think of the word, it, it, territorial about it, but who knows. <laughs> we talked about floggers. What other sort of things do you make? Oh, man. Um Dragon Tales, uh, I think were the second thing we did after floggers. Uh, we go for tongues and tails on those, so you get your your longs and your shorts is basically how I differentiate it. You've got canes, which are, you know, you think, okay, pretty straightforward and simple. Why buy one? They fit our system, and that's kind of why I would recommend ours. But if you want a cane, you know, go to Home Depot, grab a stick. <laughs> Um, if you want a nice one, we do nice ones. I like to do themed sets for things. So having like a whole kit that matches really appeases my OCD. Also crops, crops are a fairly new addition. I make those in a few different styles, either long or short, flexible or stiff. And I think one of our most popular ones have actually been safe edge play gear, starting with acrylic laser cut shards and knives and uh basically it's it's a eighth inch thick piece of sharpish acrylic in a knife shape um and they offer different sensations for dragging along the skin scraping slicing kind of motions you can build trust if you're wanting to get into knife play and you know ease into it rather than go nuts (laughs) but they're just really fun like little tingly sensation toys too and then in that same vein, I'll, I'll also make them out of exotic hardwoods or wood resin. And you actually have a lot of great self-promotion because I see your stuff all the time on Instagram. Oh, thank you. <laughs> like you were saying earlier about, you know, don't go broke. 
but however, whenever you see something that's custom made and something that just looks really awesome, you, you just kind of almost want to have like money jump out of your pocket and, <laughs> you know, and, and back things. So, I mean, I, I have my eye on a few other things that you've, uh, I've seen on Instagram that you make. So believe me. And now that, now that I know you do theme sets, that might be a discussion we might have to have offline, but upcoming themed sets just to give you the the inside scoop um almost uh-huh. complete i'm just i have to just buckle down and finish the pommels on them um i have a wasteland themed set so like think fallout ooh burning man that kind of thing wasteland uh-huh. as the event so that's i've got like seven pieces in that right now I also have like a unicorn magic theme set that's on the w- website now, but I haven't really promoted it yet. Uh, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm I'm really terrible at marketing. <laughs> I'm like so behind on that because I focus on production and tooling and all that. Gotcha. And then I also have a steampunk set um, that's almost completed. I, oh, sorry. I have another one that's almost done too. Yeah, I also have a, like an ice theme set where it's uh, a lot of clear on everything. Okay. Uh, clear vinyl, clear handle, uh, clear flogger that's made out of vinyl. It's very stingy set, but it was really fun to build. Um, the handle, it's a, it's my first interchangeable set that I'm doing as a collection rather than a, just a bunch of random stuff. So that way it's one handle, a handful of attachments. It's like its own kit in itself, and it is a, a very stingy set. <laughs> Wow. Well, you had me at Wastelands and um, <laughs> and Steampunk. So, yeah, I mean, before we started recording, we were talking about video games. And so I lied about the four. So Fallout 4 is also one of my yes. uh, go-tos. Of course, I have it modded to like the point where it doesn't even start half the time. But <laughs> it's still like in a really exciting game. And sometimes I just like to just start from that first level again. Oh yeah, um, and and just and just play it, you know, do the same thing. Find oh god, what's the dog meat? I forgot yes, the name of the yes, dog. dog yeah, meat. so find dog meat and go in and meet the um and meet the Minutemen and all that. But it's it's just so fun and you know. But then at certain point, I get to, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna use cheat codes because I, I just can't <laughs> deal with this like you know seven bullets and now I'm dead. <laughs> no, it's so, actually we I've been keep me pushing my partner like okay, just try it. And and we finally started it like last week, so so it's just really funny because we're like I'm getting to play it again for the first time in like a couple of years, and uh, she doesn't like gun shooting parts, which mm. bullets flying at her. So she has me kind of like fill in, kick everyone's butt, and then uh, give it back to her so she can craft things <laughs> and follow the story. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're both kind of replaying it right now. It's it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> No, definitely. So do you have these on your website or these are kind of new and will be revealed? As I mentioned before, I'm terrible at marketing and uh, okay. they will eventually go there when they're completed. Okay. All right. At some point it, it could be they're finished for like a month and then I'll put them up because that happens. <laughs> uh, it depends on how busy I am and if, if someone's poking me for things. <laughs> Gotcha. So actually, I had a question about canes. That's sure, nice. yes. Let's go to the back. Canes. I mean, so I've heard so many stories about what should be used for the cane. Uh, it, it makes a big difference in the, again, the, the stinginess or the, the whap. Um, some are just really horrible for because they're too stiff. Some are just too, 
wobbly to to even do anything so and i actually bought my first cane this year earlier this year Mm -hmm. you know back when we could go out and leave our homes and that fun stuff and uh actually really enjoyed it i i made sure that i sat down and watched several videos on how to use it because in my head i was just picturing myself just like whapping it through the air like some sort of jedi with a lightsaber (laughs) (laughs) and uh so i i sat down i kink academy which i actually bought a subscription to for christmas because it was half off and i really wanted to see what they were about so they actually said several videos on caning which was really great because i learned to actually properly use one Hmm. other than probably causing blisters or seriously injuring my partner but so anyway in that i've learned that yeah using one sort like using rattan versus using bamboo versus using acrylic so uh, do you have any thoughts or what you use uh, in the canes that you produce yes so again it's going to depend on everyone's personal preference because there's no one cane fits all um yeah I always recommend a rounded tip. You're only going to strike with the last you know, three to six inches usually. Yeah. Um, but it really depends on the effect. If you want something that kind of whips, you're gonna it's going to be stingier. It's going to be a lighter material. Rattans and bamboo are fun. Um, I used to do uh, Kali Eskrima stick fighting and have suffered the wrath of bamboo very, very hard. <laughs> <laughs> but what I... At the level... 90% of people play at, uh, if it's used correctly, you can use it as a cane. It's a stick. <laughs> it's There's not much more to it than that in that regard. I, yeah. I like to make sure the tips are round. It's an even surface. It's not going to leave splinters. Mm-hmm. On all of my canes, they'll fit our interchangeable handles. So you can use your same grip and handle with it. As far as materials... Um, your your common hardwoods are going to be cheap, you know, birch, oak, cherry, walnut, and in that price order, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I wouldn't go under a half inch on any of those woods in diameter. As far as synthetics, whew, there is quite a diverse spread. Um, so you mentioned acrylic. That's a lovely one. It's going to have great aesthetics. Uh, it works well. It's not the strongest, but I haven't broken a half-inch one, and I've full-strengthed a punching bag with it repeatedly. Oh, wow. I, I, I can't break a half-inch on that. On an 18-inch cane. Keep in mind, how you use the cane really matters. I'm an experienced user of sticks. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I know how to swing it for some pretty pretty maximum damage. But as soon as you go over 18 inches, I feel like it's going to lose integrity. And uh, I recommend keeping it under 18 because it's... But again, that's shaft length, sorry. Uh, Handle might add a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, But the material itself at 18 stays pretty stable. Acrylic's great. Polycarb is near indestructible. It has more of a frosted clear texture. That's a little more flexible, so but not by much, but it really looks like a frosted clear acrylic. That you can wail on it all day and your arm's going to get tired first. Wow. 
on the same vein uh, recently and uh, for a set I just put up on Instagram today actually that I made back uh, January February finished finished sometime earlier this year uh, we we made our first uh, glow in the dark cane ooh which it looks like a lightsaber when you charge it oh up that's so cool light. I, it's basically a polycarbonate tube with a resin core that it has a bunch of glow in the dark pigment in it and that is just as strong as the other polycarbonate canes and i've got a pretty heavy player testing it for me <laughs> that just sounds fun like yeah, honestly now i'm fun. just <laughs> <laughs> i i gotta i gotta put up a few of those i've been kind of keeping them on the down low because i've just been like swamped um with all sorts of things in life delrin is another good synthetic material it has a really high molecular mass so it's very dense mm-hmm it's not the densest, but it is a good density to price point. And it's also really strong. Uh, I like those in half inch and three quarter. I'm not able to make three quarter at the moment, but I've got like a few left. Uh, those are pretty thumpy because of the high weight of the Delrin. So you're more likely to do bruising rather than just stinging. Again, depends on how you apply it. And those are those are fine out to 24 inches if you want. The, the same the same client with the the green glow in the dark cane also has a 24 inch black delrin three-quarter cane and that thing can really put out some power <laughs> wow yeah uh, fiberglass is an interesting material it's really stiff it's really hard and it's there's not a lot of give to it on the quarter inch fiberglass canes i make um, those are completely coated, so you don't have to worry about fiberglass exposure. Yeah. Which is a, a big problem. If they just like paint it or something, that's not good. Um, these are actually fully sealed in rubber and polymer. <laughs> those sting a lot. Those are really stingy, and you're not going to get around that. They're stingy. You don't have to swing it very hard, though. And it's super light. So. Oh, okay, that was my question. I, I was going to ask if it's a heavier or it's a lighter material because usually when you have more stiffer i find that it's maybe it's not as heavy but it's just a little bit more unwieldy because the fact that there's no give to it yes so i mean you can use a fiberglass cane and like two fingers tapping someone and it's enough to kind of get people a little squirmish Mm. for for like light to medium people i'd say um it's going to be similar to like carbon fiber it's really light but it's very stiff and those get stingy, but they usually come in about quarter inch. Um, that's what I put mine at because if you want something a little thicker, I don't like that material for it. The, the Delrin or polycarb or acrylic kind of feels the same at that thickness, so those are a little better, I'd say. All, all the COVID, well, not COVID money, not the stimulus money, but all the money I've been saving, not doing all the things I would usually spend money on. Um, I think definitely I'm going to have to consider. A cane other than the one I, I bought. I bought like a, a cheap $10 cane. It, it does its job, but shoot, glow-in-the-dark canes and all these different <laughs> materials. I'm just compl- like, I can just imagine just, you know, my partner surprises. I shut the lights off and, I don't know, blast like music from A New Hope in the background and just sit there and <laughs> twirl it around for, you know, 40 minutes. I actually made a, an LED handle. Uh, I have I have the only prototype here in New York, but it was quite a lot of work, and it didn't quite come out how I wanted it to. Like, mm. the usability was just kind of poor. Uh-huh. I used a 
a really high power LED in the handle. And uh, it was an RGB, so you could change each color individually and mix them. Oh, wow. I, there's some pictures up on like Instagram and stuff. Uh, Instagram's really where I focus a lot of my efforts over the website. Mm-hmm. You'll find a lot more on Insta than, uh, than the website. FetLife is also up to date. We'll put it that way. Okay. But the website has the prices. <laughs> if you're like curious about like roughly how much something costs, it'll probably be there. <laughs> all right no definitely take... like just talk to me i'm pretty easy <laughs> yeah i'll probably shoot you an email once i go wow i have to have that um <laughs> but yeah fat life i don't like i've this is i don't know this is even a side rant but it's like every time i try to do any sort of advertising on on fat life i feel that i would probably have a similar experience if i tried to do advertising in an empty subway tunnel yeah, I think if you were in a subway yelling at people to go to your website, it might be more effective. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know, like, I have a FetLife account, I use yeah. it from time to time, but it's more or less, I've just kind of stopped using it. I find that just trying to go to like a Facebook group, and then just making sure that I keep it, you know, PG-13 uh, works a lot better than like going to FET and doing anything. I don't get me wrong. I love FET Life. I've, my, a lot of my friends are on there and it's a great way just to kind of like, I don't know, just talk about other things going on in your life. But as far as like any sort of advertising, because like, like I said, we we started a, a King community here in Southwest Connecticut called Kink Haven. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we put it up on, we put it on FET Life and we got maybe five people who wandered into it I, even after like we we kind of blast broadcasted it and then we started like a, a facebook group and we're at like you know 70 members so <laughs> there has to be you know something uh with with the, i haven't learned the secret of fet life maybe it, that's it it's a really old platform that hasn't changed and it hasn't really grown and um i, I I feel like they're starting to kind of make some changes, which is good. And I, I really hope that they catch up to, to yeah. where other platforms are at. But as far as business stuff, Instagram ha- still has like the highest uh, click through, I guess you could call it, um, to sales or interest. Yeah, I find that too with um, with this podcast and also Twitter for some reason. Oh, yeah. I've gotten a pretty good following on Twitter, but yeah, anything else is, has been kind of crazy, but I actually want to switch gears and go over to the, you know, the topic that you probably won't be able to shut me up on, which is gaming. Yes. Uh, so now you, you wait, uh, beside, do I need to roll huh? for initiative? Yeah. Let's roll initiative. See who talks first. <laughs> so I see that, you know, uh, looking at your, um, your survey that you do game design, actually board games. I do. So I, I let's hear. I, I'm really curious. I have designed a fun board game, and I don't sell it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm terrible at it. <laughs> um, no, I just, you know, it's one of those things where you make something cool. Everyone's like, wow, you got to make something with this. Or, this is really fun. You got to go out there and do it. And it's just, there's, it's either going to take up so much time and not make any money where it's i don't want to deal with this or uh you know it's just like it's it gets put on a back burner and just kind of simmers there and then 
you know, like someone goes like, oh, I love board games. And they're like, hey, check out this one I made. Um, basically, it's I, I back in 2014, I had gotten terribly electrocuted and mm. I was stuck at home, to, like with no strength. So I sat sat down and made a board game with a friend of mine. And it was basically like Counter-Strike, but in board game form. Okay. And it's it plays like chess with guns. It, it's a very simple like D6 system, but it, it's kind of RPG-ish in that you have a character card, you have all sorts of weapons and equipment. It's in a modern setting. Mm-hmm. You Each weapon tells you what it does. You have five health, you you can move five squares and attack. And uh, yeah, there's a lot more to it than that. But basically, if you if you get caught with your pants down, that character could get just exploded ugly. Um, there's a high chance element, but it's it's a good like just on your seat kind of strategy game that runs really fast. You can play a game in 15, 20 minutes, and it's not too rules heavy where you have to look in a book. All the rules are kind of in front of you. And you have fun maps and characters you move around them. That's neat. Have you have you done a prototype? Or... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I used uh, I want to say Game Crafter, and I've I've made a couple revisions. <laughs> I'm always like constantly trying to perfect things, and uh, which brings me to my my current project for game design, which is uh, an RPG system I've been designing forever. I keep rehashing it, kind of thing. Like every like few years, I'll be like, ah oh, man. I really want to play that and get that going again. <laughs> and I, I've been doing this for a very long time, but I want to say like a several years ago, I finally sat down, knocked out a full like 200 page rule book. Oh, wow. It's, it's a fun system. It's, it's very crunchy though. And as I got older, I cared less and less about the crunch and I had less and less crunchy players. And um, I realized things needed to get a little lighter, so I've been retooling it. It's still a fun um, system, but I, I think I've been able to enhance the usability of it, which makes it a little better, I think. Yeah, I feel as we, well, most gamers, I won't say all gamers, but and I speak mainly for myself, my, my own demographic, um, <laughs> when, I was, when I was younger, I used to love crunchy systems, yeah. so... Granted, when I started playing, it was the you know it was around the eighties, so yeah. there was a lot of things like um, well, first edition AD and D champions, um, anything created by Fantasy Games Unlimited, which completely <laughs> like I don't know if you've ever read Space Opera, but that game required certain mathematical skills that I think you have to go to MIT to learn. Oh, have you so, heard about Aftermath? Oh God, yes, I'm I'm very familiar with Aftermath. <laughs> yeah. but this was kind of the thing in the 80s like every game i would say almost all game design up until we reached the 90s when we started seeing things like vampire the masquerade and uh feng shui and games like that where they just said you know what let's just take all these subsystems out create a very streamlined system and rpgs got you know uh Obviously, I think game design got a lot better as we went through the 90s. However, I I still love the ideas of crunch. Now let's move <laughs> ahead to um, the past 10, 15 years. And I won't even look at a game if it makes me break a, a math sweat. 
Yeah. Like, I'm just like, all right, I'll, I like the setting. Shadowrun is a yeah. huge example uh, of that. Uh. How, how can you make a game worse? Like, how can you start with a design that's crunchy and completely turn it into something unplayable in six editions? So. I the last I looked at Shadowrun was third, and I I, I had heard it got worse, and I just didn't bother. <laughs> so quickly, so Catalyst bought it from Fossa around I think third edition, uh, when Fossa kind of went under. They're back though, but they lost the property to Catalyst. However, so fourth edition was actually doable. They actually created enough material around it and extra little box sets that had cards that taught you how to play the game that made it playable so fifth edition comes around and they completely screw it up by no editing rules were all over the place if they were there at all now you would think that when sixth edition that just was released late last year came around they would go all right our fans are gonna hate us if we mess this up we need to create something awesome we got to make this guys (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so now we're looking at something around a I think it's at current 26 page errata um they actually forgot to put charts in oh god the the rule book and you realistically have to use parts of fifth edition in order to play the game but they changed it so much that in order to do that you have to deconstruct both systems to come up so a lot of people <laughs> if you if you look at the Catalyst forums, a lot of people just gave up. Yeah. They're just like, Why all right. Uh, and there's some that created so many house rules, it's not even Shadowrun anymore. Yeah. So the whole the idea between Crunchy. So nowadays, like for myself, I play D&D 5 because yeah. one, that seems what all my friends want to play. Yeah. Um, however, I just bought a game. Now I'm going to gush about games, so <laughs> forgive me. But I just bought a game from Dragon Turtle Games or a game of company out of the UK that wrote a game called Carbon 2185, which is one of the most awesome cyberpunk games in 20 years. And it uses the 5e system, but it's not in a way where like, remember the 3.5 D&D days where people would write all these different splat books that just didn't seem right or weren't, they didn't mesh well. Yeah. This, someone actually read the rules and created and crafted a beautiful set of futuristic rules around 5e to the point where it flows beautifully. Really? Okay. Yeah. And the artwork is amazing. And actually they, they kickstarted it. Then after they kickstarted, they sold it from their website. It sold out of the first run and recently they just restocked it. So um, yeah, carbon 2185. So if you, if you see that book and find the PDF, it is, phenomenal if you're a fan of 5e or no and i love all the systems out there but yeah if i think back to like when i i looked back at champions fourth edition recently because i think bundle of holding actually had like you know you could buy all the fourth edition champion stuff and i was like rereading the rules and i'm just going how did i even play this (laughs) Like, right. I don't, yeah, I don't even have the patience to like read this again. Like, nah, how did I play it? What do you play these days? What do you, what do you play? What are you into? Right now, um, I'm running two D&D games um, remotely on Roll20 and uh, uh-huh. I'm using 5th edition. 
uh, and I have been for a few years now. I, I've got like a steampunk setting I made um, that's kind of a, a mix between um, uh, like steampunk, obviously, and like frostpunk mm-hmm. as um, oh, part cool. of the, the game on Steam. I was playing it, I was like, oh man, this would be like a fun, fun setting here. And then I like kind of blended it with D&D and it's a fun like uh, last city on earth kind of thing, but it's been around a while. Um, they're going through like this whole uh, Warforged Rebellion because I like to just take content that's already made because it's less work. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's like, I got to run a game for how many people every week? Uh, yeah, I'm going to like borrow some ideas. <laughs> um, and then in the in the on the other game, uh, it was going to be for locals because that we were like friends that we have here. But now with with COVID, we can't really do yeah. that. So it's it we've just instead of we we keep meaning to launch a main game and then it's like we need another player or this, this person dropped or uh you know now there's a pandemic so yeah i'm gonna wait until we can meet in person to get to the main game so we're kind of like doing this dungeons and dragons classic where it's just like you're playing back in the day you have a bunch of adventures and their mishaps and um there are much more mishaps uh than than normal they got attacked by like that they, they were going on this main quest this wizard had captured them and they're trying to find this wizard guy and they got mugged by a bunch of commoners that was like way under their challenge rating um and and luckily they survived and with an inch of their life and and were just looted completely they start to go try and get some like cheap easy work and I'm like, okay, I gotta make some like really like easy encounters. And th- there's this wizard, and he's like, well, take some clubs and uh, go clear the geese out from near the lake. The geese whooped them pretty badly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been uh, it's been an adventure <laughs> and a half. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, it's just a combination of like bad rolls <laughs> and like just bad luck. <laughs> One of the things that roll, using roll 20 is that I use the dice roller. So my dice are no longer behind a curtain or behind the screen, uh. which, which sucks. And sometimes is, well, it sucks on both ends. So where it sucks the most is when I can't roll worth a damn <laughs> and my players are just walking all over the opponents <laughs> that were meant to be these like, you know, showstoppers they're supposed to be hard and challenging and they're just like walking through them yeah the with this attitude of ones it <laughs> yeah and it's it's an or failing saving throws or when i game in person because there's a there's a game cafe here in milford where i live uh called hawkwood and i would run a game on wednesday nights for some of the local people and you know we all became friends over time but at least there when i have my screen up I can fudge the dice here and there, right? So if I need to kind of make someone like a little tougher or give the PCs a break, because the other side of that is, you know, I might have one of the PCs down to like three hit points and then I roll that natural 20. Yeah, yeah. And and I can't pull it back. You know, I can't say, oh, oops. You know, so, you know, then I'm either killing someone or doing so. The, the virtual dice are a blessing and a curse. I know there's a, a, a huge group of gamers who actually like the fact that there's no screen, that everything's out in the open, 
but I'm still kind of a little bit old school that I like to have some control over the fate of the game and having, you know, hidden die rolls sometimes can do that. Not saying I like to cheat. I'm just saying that that's that's part of like, there's a big divide on DMS there and like, it's kind of accepted that they might fudge the dice for better gameplay because they're not trying to screw the players. Like it's, it's usually to make things a good challenge or fun. You're not trying to do it just like, ha, I got your character, you know, like no one does that. (laughs) Yeah. I I feel that role-playing games itself are a great gateway. So games like Apocalypse World with sex moves. So let's just say that you're, you're awakening, you're, you're finding that, yes, you may be this kinky person, but there's really no way to explore. Maybe you haven't met people who you want to, you know, take on as uh, play partners, or you're not even involved in a local scene yet, but you want to explore that side of yourself. And well, yeah, you have the 12 year olds who giggle about sex. You also have groups that are adult and will role play out with consent, various sexual acts or kink acts or whatnot. And I feel that sometimes role-playing games, if used in that way, are a great way to explore if you do not have the resources to explore in person. And maybe through those role-play encounters, you're able to you're able to even find out if this is something for you, if you like it, if you're actually comfortable and and want to go forward. So while role-playing games are fun, I love to grab be an elf and grab a sword and stab things or whatever, you know, be a superhero and do whatever. I also feel that there are games that allow people to explore uh, that side of themselves. So I just wanted your thoughts on that. I've definitely found that there's a Venn diagram of people who are gamers and are kinky, and it's the same circle. Uh, for the <laughs> there's 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 a very small margin that that aren't um and, and actually when in orange county one of the things we would uh have it on thursday nights was a game night which at the dungeon but it was it was no play it was just board games and it was it was packed <laughs> wow okay kinky people are sex nerds and sex geeks it's just the kind of people we are and I think we we gravitate towards those naturally, whether we realize it or not. Um, we're at the dungeon over here in Manhattan, and not the dungeon. Uh, it's, the event is called Dungeon. Um, uh-huh. And we were talking with someone. I brought up Dungeons and Dragons, and then like all sorts of heads started turning, and like, oh, you guys play like. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> I was not expecting that, but. I also kind of was. <laughs> uh, I've been I've been known to just like roll in with like this Dungeons and Dragons T-shirt, and that was kind of a thing I did back in Orange County, <laughs> and and that that's how anyone noticed me at any point. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of crossover. Um, even when you get into, you know, video games, uh, even people who play second, you know, who do sure. Second Life, um, it is a way to step out of your normal everyday self, become someone else and experiment with that. But yeah, when there's a, there's a cafe in San Francisco, which was, was there after I had left, unfortunately called um, it's called wicked grounds. And it's a, it's a BDSM education coffee shop uh, on Folsom street. I think it is in that 
that sort of in that part of San Francisco. And um, but yeah, you go in and the back is just nothing but like board games. <laughs> and uh, so I when I go to visit San Francisco, my friends and I would usually go into Wicked Grounds just to like play Munchkin or or do something and have coffee. I mean, you know, but they they do a lot of stuff. They're really so the Folsom Street Fair, which is really big uh, in the kink community mm-hmm. uh, in San Francisco. Uh, Wicked Grounds also has like various booths and alcoves and all kinds of interesting things and like educational kiosks. So it's very comforting coming back into the scene after so many years and meeting like some really great people and and learning more and more about, you know, things that I didn't even think about uh, back in like the 90s. So uh, definitely it's yeah, like who who would host a Dungeons and Dragons game at a dungeon? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that that is just cool as soon as I, this I is over st- we're doing it i'm gonna run the game <laughs> that is awesome i would love to see it i like to see him be a spectator and see that i, I think you know it's like a bucket list item D game in a done in a you know in a bdsm dungeon yes you know just check that box <laughs> all right so let's uh so as we as we wrap up um where uh, do you want to do any shout outs let us know where we can find you instagram i use the most chaotic.kink on instagram and then chaotic-kink on fetlife or just email me at chaotic.kink website's chaotic kink i will definitely vouch and say that yes i mean your stuff is is pretty amazing so you know get over to the website check them out on instagram it's just amazing stuff. And like I said, I, even after tonight, I'm just like, hmm, maybe I need a set. If you have feedback on this episode, questions you'd like to ask us, or suggestions, send them over to host at alternative-play.com or check us out on the web at www.alternative-play.com. So thank you for joining us for this episode of Alternative Play. And remember, Dragons are not the only things that play in dungeons, so keep your gaming kinky, safe, and consensual. Thank you for listening to Alternative Play. We hope you enjoyed your time in our playroom. Alternative Play is an attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international creative commons work. You may share it with whomever you like, so long as you don't sell or modify it. Like what we are doing? Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash alternative underscore play or follow us on Twitter and Instagram.